Welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of High Action. We are in our second season. This is episode 31. And today we're going to discuss original music. How's it going, John? It's going great out here. How are you doing? I'm good. I got my man John's story with me today out in L.A. My name is Perry Smith. I'm coming to you from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, unfortunately, John, we are not joined today by our third member of New West Guitar Group. That is the wonderful Will Brom. I believe he is en route to Hungary. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, the country, not the, you know, state of appetite. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, nice. Nice. I know. I wish him well out there. He's got to watch his six, though. Some some crazy stuff going down in Europe these days. So mm-hmm. we're wishing yeah. him safe travels. Uh, I think he's on the road with Arturo Sandoval. And right. uh, yeah, we are excited to get in this episode because all of us in New West have been writing original music for the trio and also for outside projects for many years. So we thought this was a theme that was was worthy to discuss on the podcast, original music. Uh, Before we get too far into the episode, I just want to mention uh, one of our partners in crime, one of the organizations that really helps us do what we do, and that is wonderful Henriksen Amplifiers. Uh, John, we love these guys, right? They've just been huge partners for a while. Oh, yeah. They are the A-team for us. We love those guys. And Peter and... And um, didn't get to meet his dad, Bud Henriksen, but man, those guys over the years, they just continue to pump out awesome products for guitarists, not just jazz guitarists, too. I think it's a great product for people playing steel string, nylon string guitar, um, and for doing smaller gigs that, you know, you just can't beat having an amp like that. So so we love them. Yeah, they're, they're awesome. And somewhere out on the interwebs is a video of the first time I met Peter Henriksen. Uh, John and I and Will were in the shop. And John and I sat down and played Scrapple from the Apple, and somehow it ended up with one and a half million views, and it was like a viral jazz video, if such a thing exists. Yeah, it's pretty funny. Uh, the, the That was on Facebook that it had 1.5 million Facebook views, and man, the comments were pretty hilarious. Yeah. You know, you could tell some people were like, what in the world is this? But yeah, it was great, and those guys... Uh, those guys are always out there um, promoting other musicians and other guitarists and stuff, too. So, yeah, we, we love them. And, and for those who are interested in buying a Henriksen amp, be sure to use promo code HIGHACTION. When you purchase the amp, you get you get a discount on your amps and products from Henriksen. There you go. Hard to beat that. And they sound good, too. Here's a little bit of uh, me playing through my Henriksen. I got it plugged in right now. I'll play a little ditty on the instrument for you. So yeah, it's a it's just a great balanced tone I find, especially for the arch top, and uh, portable, convenient. So yeah, we recommend them to all of our listeners for sure. HenriksenAmplifiers.com. That's right. All right, John. Today we are discussing original music, and uh, I have to say, man, the collaboration that we've had in New West that dates back to two thousand and probably three, if we're really talking about it. Uh, when we started getting serious about guitar ensemble. But we were writing music for the group 
from the from the onset. I mean, I remember one of your first tune was uh, Westbound that you wrote, and <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really interesting to listen to some of the early compositions that we did for the group. So I, I have one that I wanted to play. It's a composition of yours um, called "Are We There Yet?" And this mm -hmm. was maybe another one of your early compositions. Um, maybe your second or third tune you wrote for New West, if I'm remembering correctly. Probably one of the first five, at least, right? Yeah, we definitely all started arranging first for the band. I remember we were kind of arranging heads and arranging standards to mm -hmm. play. And um, yeah, and then, you know, with I think Matt Roberts in the band, he was bringing in some of his stuff like Moving On, you know, and, right. and Epiphany. And those yeah. were those were some of the first originals, I think, that New West Guitar Quartet played. And yeah, man, that would have been um, that would have been the spring of 2003, probably somewhere in there that we were doing that stuff. And um, this song that I wrote, "Are We There Yet?" Um, is actually a play on on words on a Charles Ives tune called "They Are There." And there was a whole thing where he wrote a theme in, in retrograde. He wrote it backwards, and then the end of the piece, he played it forwards. And I thought it would be really cool to create dual kind of open finger style lines that sort of yeah. crossed over each other so that yeah. the the bass part went up and the treble part went down and so this was kind of a experiment with that and um yeah back when we were just I, you know it was interesting i think we were writing more in the context of just the art of what do all these guitars sound like on top of one another mm -hmm. uh you know so yeah this this was this was an early, very early New West piece. <laughs> I love that. It's like a combination of the inspiration of the Charles Ives music and his way of playing, mm -hmm. uh, his way of composing, I mean, and then yeah. intersecting with the instrumentations we were trying to combine in New West at the time, which was the acoustic guitar and the electric guitar. That was a very new concept for us back then. Yeah. So let's check this out. This is one of my favorite originals. Yeah, man love that song <laughs> yeah, it's just it got fun. a great groove yeah. to it you know we don't i mean even to this day we don't quite have 
um, something that has that sort of sultry, slow groove with the mixed meter and that that, mm-hmm. that twang to it. Um, that mm-hmm. I mean, we have some stuff like that, but that filled a nice kind of void in our set list to have something that was so unique as a song and uh, yeah. interesting compositionally from an arrangement standpoint. So, yeah. Well, you know, it also shines light back to the early, early, early days of this band before we really were out playing shows. Right. And, you know, we could do whatever tuning we want. We could do a lot more finger style playing. I mean, I've definitely, I mean, well, you and I both, you know, we've done a lot of the finger style lifting in this band over the years yeah. without, you know, playing without a pick. And man, like playing standing up with a pick through an art with a finger style through an arch top. Sometimes I was using a thumb pick, you know, on certain tunes. Um, it's just so difficult to do it in all these different venues at the volumes and at the kind of the blend that we go for. So that kind of over the years, it sort of morphed into different kinds of rhythm guitar playing. Right. Um, and, you know, I, I was really idolizing L.A. Guitar Quartet and Quartet Malgani and all of these mm-hmm. amazing guitar groups um, that had just a great blend. And all of them were playing without picks, you know. So mm-hmm. hearing that finger style way of playing, I remember I remember Brady on there used a pick. Um and I think that you might have used a pick too, or maybe you experimented with fingers. My, I can't remember, but my vision I remember was that more people would be playing finger style in the group. And when we went and played that at like Kumbua and a couple of those places, we're like, wow, it's, you know, it's hard to pull it off live to make it sound that tight like it does on the recording. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was about to say that like one of the elements that we sort of find ourselves in when writing original music, and maybe some other people who are listening can relate to this, is that oftentimes what you write will challenge you, you know, from a, from a, a technique standpoint, from a conceptual standpoint. And that song, Are We There Yet, that we just heard, that would challenge me for sure because it was the only piece in the set that I would drop the pick on and play purely fingers. And I was also playing nylon strings, so there was some inherent challenges with that. And just the groove, I think it was in a mixed meter of like 11.8 or something like that, if I'm remembering yeah. correctly. Yeah, and then it went back to four four, and 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 right. basically, I tried to fit it into a blues form. You know, I wanted it to be like right. this kind of long, wonky twelve bar blues. Um, yeah, man. I mean, it's 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 fun. It's just fun going back and listening to older tunes. It's different listening to your older compositions than it is listening to your older solos. Right, right, right. <laughs> no. Yeah. Sometimes yeah, the like, older compositions uh, stand the test of time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of older compositions, I've got another one here. Uh, that I wrote, and this was a, a, a slightly before you wrote Are You There Yet, John, but um, also has a lot of similarities in terms of the intersection of inspiration and the intersect combined with um, the styles that we were trying to write for the ensemble. So uh, to give the listener a little bit of context, back in 2005, we were New West Guitar Quartet. We had four members instead of three. And we went all the way out to Japan, and we did some performing out there, and we got to visit a place called Peace Park, which is sort of a uh, memorial park for um, the World War II activities. And it was a very inspiring place for all of us, and it sort of helped me write this next song, which I entitled Peace Park. And again, I was, you know, I was composing for the band. So that's a big part of the compositional process is, you know, if you have an understanding of the people that you're writing music for, that can really assist you in, um, you know, getting a final product that you're pretty happy with. So yeah. here's a bit of an example of Peace Park, and we can, we can talk about it on the back end. 
compositions for the band peace park and i know we've talked about this before john but we should record we should re-record that one i mean it's always fun listening to it but i can't help be like oh maybe i would change a few things here or there you know uh Mm -hmm. yeah that'd be a fun one to try to re-record yeah a lot of these tunes definitely and um yeah you know it's interesting I, i remember how much that one in particular like uh your that was a very challenging chord to hold at the top and and like me right that d flat chord with the stretch voice in it It, yeah like yeah yeah i can't even play the part anymore yeah so some of those things i would maybe adjust again if i re-recorded it but um just the aspect of you know having something that you're inspired by plus knowing who you're composing for, knowing sort of the sound that you're composing for. I feel like, you know, that combination of things or that intersection of elements uh, is really crucial to the compositional process, you know? Definitely, yeah. And yeah. and I mean, the fact that we all had a shared experience of for the listeners, like um, we went to Japan, you know, and went out there and went yeah. to the Peace Park in Hiroshima, right where the library was, where they dropped the... The, the atom bomb and and that little building is still there because directly where the bomb Crazy, went off right? it, it blew out from there so that building stayed standing and we went there and I remember I remember how how heavy that was to be out there and um for us to all have that shared experience and then for you to write that song and then you know that following summer 2005 and then 2006 those were some busy touring as I you know those were just mm-hmm. like the go get them years for us man I mean <laughs> put all my stuff in storage and and we just got in the cars and just drove and did all those gigs. And because we had the shared experience and then you wrote the piece and then we went out and 
toured with it, I felt like songs like that had such a deeper meaning for us, and it was, I mean, it was so great, so rare for a band collectively to have had like a shared experience and then have a song about that that they perform regularly, yeah. you know? Yeah, especially a guitar ensemble. Jeez, who the yeah. hell do we think we are? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Well, we've certainly been through a lot of iterations as a group, and um, very grateful to have Will Brom in the band now. Um, one of his earlier compositions for the group uh, that actually was, I think, an original of his uh, for his own band that he also adapted for New West is called Summer Blessings. Summer's Blessing, excuse me. And uh, yeah, I want to play a recording of this. And I have a little video that we're going to hear Will uh, in just a minute. Um, he's going to discuss his compositional process and writing some of these songs. But John, I remember you were, um, no pun intended, instrumental and helping yeah. him arrange Summer's Blessing for the band as well. So mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this tune after we mm -hmm. listen to it. Summer's Blessing, an original from Will Brom. And uh, John, what do you remember about this song when he brought it to you and said, you know, I'm thinking about arranging this for New West? You know, what, what was your early impressions of this one? Um, well, I, I, I think that uh, we were all talking about expanding some, some new tunes for that tour that summer, and that was uh, maybe 2016 or 17. Right. Yeah. I think it was the year before we went out to Pennsylvania and did the recording at Mock Chunk and all of that. Yeah. So it might have been 2016. And uh, Will Will suggested this tune and, and you know, had that strumming pattern. And, yeah. and uh, uh, initially it did not have baritone guitar on it. And then I, I was thinking, you know, be a great opportunity to bring that instrument into more pieces. I mean, mm -hmm. we don't use it on a ton of stuff and has a nice kind of low end to it. And um, yeah, I mean, that was one thing when we, when we needed to find a new member for new West and we were both looking on 
at players in New York and players in L.A., I remember thinking, well, it'd be nice to get somebody in the group who has written some music that's kind of yeah. in proximity to what we've done. And I'd heard a little bit of, of Will's stuff. I wasn't super familiar with his music, but... I had um, I knew that he had recorded a little bit with, on some other instruments like steel string guitar and mm -hmm. could also really wail on on electric guitar and and yeah it, I felt like a song like that really was a nice match for New West and mm -hmm. that style of writing where we have really clear melodies really clear mm -hmm. rhythm guitar parts and um, there's another thing in this band that's kind of interesting it seems like the people who write a lot of the tunes end up playing the rhythm part on their song you know so as that's an example of him to kind of be able to sort of lead that a little bit and and uh, yeah i gave him some tips on it and then basically i kind of came up with my own part on that and that also kind of began the era of new west writing which has become a little more casual than how we wrote like those earlier tunes we were listening mm -hmm. to where we all kind of come up with our own parts a little bit because right. back in the early days, like that tune, Are We There Yet? Like, man, I wrote out every single note to play except for the solo. And even in the solo section, sometimes I'd write the solo section accompaniment part. Right, right. We, we've gone more to it being a bit a bit looser with some of the tunes um, right. just because the style of music's changed a little bit also. Right, right. There's That's, that's a, I think, a combination of a, a few things too, like just growth as individual players so uh sometimes yeah. the music sounds better if we allow each other to kind of put our own spin on it too uh, that's a part of the compositional process as well which is like um when you're writing original music sort of keeping an open mind to what other musicians are going to bring to it because you know oftentimes that levels up your composition in a great way and we've certainly experienced that in new west mm -hmm. uh, for a lot for a lot of years um let me play another track from Will Brom, and then we want to uh, hear a, a special video from him, a little video PSA about his compositional process. But this is an original of his uh, from his album Venture Atlas. This is called uh, A Life Twice Lived. And we've played this a few times in New West, but I also really like his version on this album. So check this out.
So that's it's Will Brown's composition, A Life Twice Lived. And let's really quickly just hear from Will about his compositional process. And uh, I think this would be a fun little opportunity for us to check out what he has to say. Here we go. All right, everybody. thought I'd give a little insight on uh, some aspects of compositional process that I like to use. Uh, one that I want to start with that I think is really useful, I wanted to call it write, wait, listen, and edit. So start writing something when you've really tapped out at the moment, take a little time off of it, maybe the rest of the day, maybe a couple hours. Listen back to a recording that you might have of it, even if it's just on your phone, and you'd be amazed at some of the ways that your brain is able to go, all right, I'm going to cut this out or add this in. Sometimes you just need that time away from a tune to really know what needs to happen next or what needs to be taken out next. Uh, some other different methods of composing that I've tried that have yielded different results uh, for one of my songs, I actually basically came up with the chords in my head. Um, and just to clarify this context, it wasn't really super diatonic uh, chords. It was much more of auxiliary harmony type composition. And I, what I did is I got home, I wrote the chords out on paper, and I found a way to play a melody around the chords. And that yielded a different type of composition than what I usually do if I'm sitting with my instrument um, because I do most of my writing at the guitar. Um, so I encourage you to explore that. Another thing that I've tried on one of my songs is I've tried only writing a melody first um, and then filling in chords after the fact. And it's interesting to note how the harmonic pulse can be much different than a lot of your other songs if you focus on just a melody and then fill in chords after the fact. Lastly, a really useful thing that I heard Steve Vai talk about, he used the word infinity shelf. And he has, you know, basically a, a bank or an iCloud or something of any type of composition idea that he's had. And every once in a while, he'll just visit it and find something. And it could be years old, it could be months old, and he'll expand on it and it'll turn into a song. So if you ever have an idea or a melody or a vibe, even a, a groove in your head, I would encourage you to, you know, document it somehow, store it somewhere along with other ideas and come back to it when you need some inspiration. So hope that was useful. Enjoy. I like that. An infinity bank where you can store your ideas and um, sort of, you know, access them whenever you want to uh, pump out another original. That's, that's a cool idea. I hadn't thought about that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, Will spitting some knowledge on his originals. Um, these tunes that we've been featuring are, are really nice and melodic stuff from Will. Uh, Harmony is interesting too. Um, and they have sort of like a folksy, songwritery kind of vibe to them, which I like and I think fits well in our group in a lot of ways because it features the guitar so well, you know? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, I want to keep moving on uh, with some more music. This is another one from... John's story and uh, your most recent album, Ponderosa. And I really like this song, Newberry Caldera. Um, clearly, this has some inspiration behind it, a place. Mm -hmm. Can you discuss a little bit on the front end about this uh, composition of yours? 
Yeah, uh, this is a piece that I wrote about um, one of my just one of my favorite places to go camp and fish and hike and and stuff up in Central Oregon near near um, Plano Lake. Um, it's a series of craters up there, and there's all these hikes you can do to kind of go observe the whole caldera region, and you can just see all of where these volcanoes were. And and uh, yeah, when I right before I did this record, I went to Oregon. This was in 2019, and, and was camping up there. And that's where I got a lot of the inspiration from the record. Was I was kind of coming up with some ideas when I was out there. Um, I've always found that. Be, this the start of the story for me is in a lot of ways it just seems so natural to think of a place more than it think mm. that more even than like a situation or a person or a mm. a feeling or a thought it's like a place for me because oftentimes when I'm improvising or when I'm playing I'm actually thinking of places that I've been when I'm soloing that kind of helps me set the mood and help me focus a little bit sometimes. Um, so, yeah, I, I wanted the record to kind of have a bit of that story. And the name Ponderosa also comes from the Ponderosa pine tree, which we have in California and we have in Oregon. And I've lived in both places. And this album is a bit about my life kind of coming from Oregon and now being down here. So that was the genesis of the name of the record. But, um, but yeah, this, this is from the duo record Josh Nelson and I did um, that was released in uh, later 2019. You can take the man out of Oregon, but you can't take Oregon out of the man. And thank God. Thank God. Right? <laughs> Here we go. Newberry Caldera. Yeah, man. Nice vibe. Real nice vibe Thanks. there. And curious for you, you know, based a little bit on what Will was saying, did you come up with the melody first? Did you come up with that opening riff first? Kind of where was the process starting from you? I know the inspiration, mm. but but the nuts and bolts yeah. of it. It's hard to remember on that one. Mm. That might have been that opening idea that um, yeah. and just kind of the shape of the line. I think I was thinking about kind of creating something that that had some, you know, uh, lift to it right away. And then um, kind of, again, kind of thinking about how to intertwine the piano and the guitar. You know, on this record, I think my challenge was to make it more of a dialogue record because, you know, I'm one of my greatest favorite records of all time is Undercurrent with Bill yeah. Evans and Jim Hall. And yep. I love how they both share the rhythm and the melody mm -hmm. a lot. And there's just this constant thing. It's like they're living on that line of supporting and, and leading. And I just, I love that. And of course, there's, 
nobody finer to do that with than Josh. I mean, Josh is just an astonishing guy to get to play with. He really, you really feel like he's inside of what you're thinking, you know, when you play. Yeah, Josh Nelson, the pianist. Yeah, great, great listener, great player. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, definitely amazing. Everybody should check out his. He has a West Coast jazz hour every week, and uh, he's um, he's amazing, amazing musician. But yeah, I think it might have been that opening line. And, um, yeah, I'm also, like, speaking on what Will said, I'm a big, big proponent of recording. I'm also, let me show you this for the people who are watching on Patreon here. Yeah. Um, I, I, years ago, I went up to Valley Music Prints here Ooh. in L.A., which is where you get all the good score paper, you know. Yeah. And um, I bought a ream of score paper that was basically eight measures by four lines. So like string quartet writing stuff. Mm -hmm. And Perry, I still have here on the desk all of the stuff, the sights and sounds of New West Guitar Quartet, like when we did the the show with the movie. I have right. a, a lot of our New West music actually written out on here. And it's been hard over the years to transport this and make it so it doesn't get damaged because it's hard uh -huh. to just keep something like this. You can't just put it in a binder and fold it up. Right. And man, I am so glad that I have the actual writing down of the notes and the arrangements because I'm I'm a big fan of spending a lot of time with pencil and paper before going into finale. You know, I've I've always been that way. You know. Yeah, you know, you really have to kind of understand your compositional process. That's a lot of what we're talking about here today with the idea of original music, and um, we can find inspiration from a lot of different places. But it's important to realize, as John's saying, like. Maybe for you, it's about sitting down with paper and pencil to write out, you know, what it is that you're trying to say. I remember yeah. an old teacher of mine would say, you know, before you even try to compose, he just said, literally write out a paragraph or two about what the song is about and how you want it to sound, you know, in mm -hmm. words. And like, that's mm -hmm. a totally different way to begin the process of composing. And, yeah. you know, for me, I've tried to kind of tap into a lot of different... Um, ways of writing original music whether it be coming uh from an inspiration about a place i've been or a person or a feeling or whether it's about writing for a particular band that's also uh, helped me with the original music process um, but also kind of similar to what john was saying just kind of playing around on the guitar and coming up with an idea coming up with a groove or like a cool uh passage and you think, huh, that could be an, that could be a song. That's the nugget of a composition, and that can kind of spur you into, um, you know, writing music. And the tricky thing that I find nowadays, and I don't know if you agree with this, John, but I don't compose nearly as often as I'd like. Um, it seems like I need to have some sort of carrot, you know, or some sort of space in my life to be like, okay, I have, you know, a couple couple of days free where I can just get into a zone of composing. Yeah. Uh, a little goal of mine that I want to state on the podcast here is to try to make composition a little bit more of a regular practice, similar to how I might practice tunes or practice my technique and things like that. Um, that's a goal of mine. I think maybe yeah. that's something that a lot of people can relate to, you know? Well, in these days, composition can mean production, too. I mean, yeah. I'm just amazed, like, you know, as a teacher, I'm amazed at my college students, how what they do with Ableton and, and you know, producing beats or tracks of, you know, various library music. I mean, here in L.A., yeah. it's I think a lot of musicians spend a lot of their days working on tracks that they just put in a library. And then when someone reaches out and says, hey, do you have 20 examples of jazz trio? And, you know, that's more like of a utilitarian compositional 
thing where you're not really composing for the art. You're composing for like film and television. But still valid, um, you know. Still, it's valid. still it, it's still artistic. Yeah, yeah, it's still creative, and that's a cool way. I, you know, I've I've done a little bit of that with with like just guitar solo guitar tracks. I've created mm. a library of solo guitar tracks, but. Um, yeah, it, it definitely is a practice. It's definitely something that takes practice. It's a skill that 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 needs constant, you know, understanding and revision. And man, there's so many great composition books out there. I remember years ago for arranging, getting the the Don Sebesky, the Art of the Contemporary Arranger book. Uh-huh. Um, and man, I you know when I was up at Port Townsend, Bill Mays, one of the pianists I studied with up there, he swore by that book and said that was one of the greatest big band arranging books ever. And mm. you know, learning about how to write for brass and saxophone and all these other instruments as a guitar player, sometimes I think we feel like we're a little bit on a desert island. You know, like Will said, he composes a lot at the guitar, and so th- practicing composing for other instruments or composing you know, in other ways is, should be a part of a daily practice. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I mean, I think I compose now for when I have a gig, when I have a deadline. Yeah. And for me, I feel like if I have a show, like I play Sam first has kind of become my house here in LA that I play once every few months with a trio or quartet or whatever. And I feel like I'm not prepared or I'm not really doing a show. If I haven't brought some new music to the gig that night, Mm. something that's brand new mm. you know it, just to me that's part of putting on a a concert is just always like here's something new i just wrote here's some and then here's some stuff that was on my record a couple years ago you know so having that that contrast for my for my listeners is important to me yeah definitely well listen i have another song this is uh the last little original that i wanted to share something uh that i wrote for my quintet album um a few years back it's called graceful spirit and it's sort of inspired by the idea of just being a graceful person in the world. And I think, you know, we encounter so many people that are are very extra, whether it be, you know, the show that they're putting on for social media or just whatever in life. And I've always been drawn to people that have a very sort of graceful, uh, you know, solid foundation um, mm-hmm. in their personality. And so uh, this this was sort of the inspiration behind the song. But also I was writing with these other instruments involved and trying to um, really get into the compositional process from uh, knowing who I was writing for and what those sounds would be like and kind of the style that I wanted to, uh, to write in. So here you go. Check it out.
there you have it. Graceful spirit, uh, an original mm-hmm. of mine. And I guess the last tip I'll give everybody on uh, original music is make sure you play your original songs with really great musicians because they'll make it sound better than it actually is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. This has been fun yeah. to kind of kick around all our original songs from various places and discuss the original music in the group. We certainly have a lot more original music from the band. Mm-hmm. Uh, we always open it up, the podcast, each week with California from the acoustic album, the composition of John's, and we usually close it with uh, Blues for Brubeck, which is an original mm-hmm. of mine. So we've been through uh, a lot of originals together, and um, God, it certainly is important you know, to kind of establish your artistic sense of self um, writing music. I feel like that you can't really, can't really do that. You can't really establish your artistic vision without original music, I feel like, in, in a way. It's, it's almost yeah, impossible. It's interesting. It's yeah. really interesting. I mean, one of my heroes is George Benson, and he's somebody who hasn't written a lot. You know, I mean, he, he plays all the tunes, though. He's written tunes, yeah. But but you know, like his his artistic, like what he's done out there as a pop star too. He's played a lot of other people's music, and um, yeah, it's it's interesting. Kind of like the generational jazz guitarist people that the, there were there were some that composed and some that didn't compose as much. Um, but but like I feel like yeah, and yeah. affirmation and give me the night. Benson's credited as a writer on those tunes, right? Not on affirmation, not no, on affirmation. and not on give me the night. No, those those were written by other people. Yeah, so it's it's interesting. It's um, but I feel like today being a modern musician, you know the de- the demand is so high on all of us. But it's also it's a great time because we you know we craft ourselves on our instrument, become a high level player on the instrument, and then yeah. learn how to record that instrument at home and learn how to use production software to enhance that, and then also compose for ourselves and other people mm-hmm. and there's a lot of ways musicians can get their co- compositions out there and meet people that they could sell their compositions to for various things it's a big big industry here in LA a lot of people make their living selling library music for all sorts of film production sort of stuff it's it's really a fascinating world i've my world has been mostly in the creative artistic world mm-hmm. of being a jazz musician and being an educator and educating students how to how to pursue their own original music and a band like new west has been really at you know a, an original concept from the ground up too so yeah. it's just interesting you know how, how all of that chases itself a little bit mm-hmm. yeah well hopefully everybody took away a little something today on um the compositional process that John and I and Will go through and uh, hearing some various examples from different um, parts of our careers. And next week, John will be talking about studying guitar in college. So if we have any young listeners or any parents out there whose uh, sons or daughters are thinking of going to college for music, um, and specifically guitar, that's a really good episode to tune into (laughs) next week. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We want to thank everybody on Patreon very much for joining and, and directly supporting the community. If you're not already signed up on Patreon, check out the uh, patreon.com slash new West guitar group, and you can directly support our podcast high action through Patreon. So John, right. any, any uh, closing words here before we jump on out of here? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of ways to interact with us these days, everybody. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. We've been um, updating our Facebook page, too, uh, the New West Guitar Group one, and Patreon. And, you know, Perry, I would be really curious, some of our listeners who are great musicians, 
post in some of these areas, especially on tag us in Instagram if you do a post of some of your original music because we'd love to hear what you guys are all writing out there. And Patreon is great because being its own platform, it's really easy to share YouTube videos and links on there, which sometimes can be harder on some of the other platforms. So a great way to connect with us and to interact with us is, is through Patreon. And we'd love to hear what what everybody else out there is is composing and and writing. It's it's just it's fascinating to hear all the kind of stuff our listeners are into. So yeah, thanks for staying in touch with us, everybody. All right, we'll see you next week. Adios. Bye.